Mythology Breakdown, the podcast where two idiots who know nothing about mythology teach others about mythology, legends, and folklore. We're analyzing and looking at history and putting it together using the brains of two obsessed young adults. My name is Tony. And I'm Cece. Welcome to the shit show. Whoa! Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, because this one's going to be a little crazy. So, uh, maybe I am. Uh, so trigger warning really quick before we get into anything. This is going to be a particularly long episode. Yeah, probably. About an hour, maybe a little bit more. Um, Cece has a tick disorder. She will tick and it will probably not be pretty. I'm kidding. It's gorgeous. Uh, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about rape. So, I mean, yeah. Because in mine, well, yeah, a little bit, I guess. A little bit of rape, but whatever. We're talking about the Greeks today. We all know how the Greeks are. Oh yeah, incest, all that good, fun stuff. Back to this. So, Cece, you want to? Yeah, you are gonna start us off. Yes. 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 So what me and Tony decided to do? I just totally flipped my phone onto my laptop. Nice. (laughs) Um, what we decided to do is we're going to take the Greek gods and goddesses and all the important characters, and we're going to start to flesh them out. And we're going to do this with all of the mythologies. We're going to look at all of the, you know, the cast of characters. And as we start talking about these characters, we're going to start telling some stories and really give give you a good in-depth look at everything. And so this week we're going to be talking about four... Greek people. Greek people. Greek people. Greek gods and goddesses. There we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. What if God was one of us? Okay. Zeus, please don't strike me down. <laughs> All right. It's uh, it's currently 3 a.m. We both worked today. We're a little bit tired. Only, only slightly. Only slightly. Okay. Anyway. So, I'm going to be talking about Dionysus and Artemis. And I will be talking about Hera and Poseidon. Yeah, he went for the biggins right away. I went I went slightly more smaller on the scale of the biggest names. I mean, at least we didn't try and do Zeus. Yeah, let's not for now. <laughs> That'll be one of the last ones. Right. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's 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 talk about Dionysus. Hold on. I gotta, I gotta flip through my pages. Just gotta find her notes. There they are. This is why I just use my computer. It makes things so much easier. <laughs> okay, so Dionysus. He is the Greek god of wine, fertility, ritual madness, theater, and religious ecstasy. Whatever that may be. Nice. Religious ecstasy. It's just so weird. Religious ecstasy. Yes. Nice. Literally, literally. (laughs) So, there are signs and, like, artifacts of Dionysus being worshipped as early as 11,000 BC. Dang. He is one of the oldest characters in the cast of characters. That is Greek mythology. Hmm. Yes. All right. Yes. He... (coughs) He originated from the Mycenaean Greek era, which is... Very early, early Greek areas. So, yeah. Yeah. He's one old dude. And so did Hera and Poseidon, I'm just saying. No, I know, but... <laughs> I know. You know, Dionysus, playing. you know, he's one of the... Like, even in his story, he is not really accepted as part of Olympus. You know, like, I mean, so the fact that he's so old is kind of interesting. Just yeah. because of the part that he plays, you know? Oh, yeah, of course. Um... He was the last person to arrive on Olympus because after he was born, which we'll get into a little bit later, he created wine. Like, he is the person who created wine. Right. And then after he created wine, he traveled the world teaching everyone else how to make wine. So it makes me very interested as we start to branch out to other mythologies, look and see if Dionysus ends up playing a part, you know, with wine or anything. I definitely want to keep track of that because that's very interesting to me. So basically what you're saying is Dionysus could be the reason why frat parties get so out of hand. 
because he's the god Who's of... Who's drinking wine at frat parties? I don't know. <laughs> Kappa, I've never been to Kappa, a frat... Kappa Kappa Beta. I have no idea. I have never been to a frat party, so... I think, I think Kappa Kappa Beta would be the, the, the stuck-up ones, right? I don't know. <laughs> I know nothing about that. The me, me neither. <laughs> okay, so because of this, he was the last person to arrive on Olympus, which further separated him from the rest of them because they'd already, you know, according to mythology, has been very well established with each other and stuff. Right. Anyway, so um, in his early years of worship, he was described as mature, bearded, robed, robed. Why did I want to say robed? Robed. Um, and he was shown, I love this, I love this, maybe it's because I'm a cook, but I don't know. He was shown carrying a fennel staff, you know what fennel is? I've heard of it, yes. It's like, um, a stalked vegetable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a fennel, fennel staff with a pine cone on top. Nice. I love it. I love it. But over time, he became more androgynous, beardless, sensuous, and he was portrayed as being almost naked. So two, like, completely opposite sides of the spectrum. Hmm. Yeah. Um, he's technically a demigod. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yep. Because he is the son of Zeus and a mortal named Samil or Samele. I don't know the exact pronunciation. I know. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, she was the princess of Thebes. And Hera, being Hera, as I'm sure we'll find out, um, basically said, Oh man, my husband's cheating on me again. So you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do, Hera? I'm going to curse his wife. I'm going to curse his lover. <laughs> I'm going to make it so that she forces him to show her his true form as a god. Okay stop you there that's in my story okay well dionysus is part of my story i know uh this is greek times stories are gonna overlap i know i know can i continue yes you can continue thank you so the sass samele or samil i'm gonna go with samil i like samil better um she's like zeus i'm gonna ask you for one thing will you grant me just this one thing no matter what it is and zeus being a reasonable guy says yeah sure she says, I want to see your true form. Zeus shows her his true form, and mortals can't see the gods in their true form, so she explodes, disintegrates, disappears, she's gone, she's dead, she's done. And Zeus takes Dionysus and sews him into his thigh. Yes, his thigh. Hmm. Um, I thought the birth of Athena was weird, being formed. Or sprung fully formed from his head. Mm-hmm. But I think being birthed out of a thigh is weirder. Yeah, I can see why you would think that. Do you disagree? Do you think being birthed out of a head is weird? I mean, if you really think about it, children are birthed out from between thighs. But so Dionysus I, I makes just, sense. I guess I just imagine it being like, you know, like when you wear a garter. No, because I've never worn a garter. But you know what it looks like. <laughs> I know what it looks I like. I imagine it sitting on like the outside where like a gun would be put into the... The holster? The ho- the holster. There, there yeah, that I I just pictured a baby, just like a big tumor looking lump. Okay, but it doesn't make it any better than Zeus growing a knot on his forehead and then all of a sudden it's the size. But Athena of... was different because he just thought he had a headache. So he has someone split his head open. We're getting way off track. We're not talking about Athena. Okay. We'll Continue. discuss this more later. Continue. Anyway, so Zeus is born from the thigh. Creates the wine, travels the world. Dionysus. What am I doing? (laughs) Like I said, it is 3 a.m. We both work today. I am exhausted. Tony, you're going to go to edit this tomorrow, and you're going to be like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. This is too much for (sighs) me already. Oh. (laughs) So, um, one of the cultures that Dionysus affected the most was reportedly East Asia. All right. So, when we... Look at Asian culture. We'll have to to keep an eye out for that, yeah. Um, so all of his followers, also sometimes called the Cult of Dionysus, um, they were, they lived free from self-consciousness and societal restraints. 
So they basically were like the hippie children of the 60s. I've been I've been reading a lot about Charles Manson lately, so he's on my mind with his whole hippie movement. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm actually I found some really weird comparisons that I'm going to talk about here in just a minute. Okay. Okay. So, um, societal restraints, you know, basically sounds like a good life to live. Um, he's also the god of chaos and the protector of misfits. Like, this dude just seems like an all-around hippie man. Yeah. Like, this dude is just a hippie. I love him. Oh my goodness. Um, Dionysus, the closest god that he worked with was Demeter, actually. The goddess of the earth and apples and planting and gardening, essentially. I mean, that makes sense. Wine is made from grapes. Grapes is made from planting stuff into the ground. Planting stuff in the ground is Demeter. Yeah, and so they, they had a very close bond They in a relationship. They worked, they worked together to do all of their things. They were the supreme deities of the earth. All right. Lowercase e. Man, that is one badass name. That's the supreme like, deities of the earth. It literally, <laughs> it sounds like a metalcore like death music. Oh my god! I'm gonna make a band named the Supreme Deities of the Earth. I'm sure it's already been done. I doubt that. No. Uh, you know what? We'll talk about this. <laughs> so the main city that was dedicated to Dionysus, because a lot of Greek cities would kind of adopt one patron god. It was the city called Eleusis. Eleusis. E-L-E-U-S-I-S. Okay. I don't think that's how you pronounce it. Well, yeah. I don't know. Um, But it was a town near Athens. So very much so close to Athens was... Yeah. Okay, let's not try to say that word again. Eleusis. Heard. Yeah, I am. Yep, not that word. Um, So there were four main festivals that were Dionysus's. The lesser or the rural Dionysia, the greater or the city Dionysia. At Aethesteria? Aethesteria? I think it's Aethesteria. A-E-T-H. A-T-H-E-S-T-E-R-I-A. I don't know. And Linnea. Um, so the one that I'm going to be talking about today, the festival, is the Anthesteria. Ironically, the one that I can't pronounce. Yes. <laughs> um, which celebrates spring. It was a festival done by everyone, you know, the rich, the poor, the slaves, the children, as young as three Children would begin participating at the age of three, which is funny because of what happens during this festival. It's whack. Dude, Dionysus's people, they were crazy. Well, considering they called themselves the cult of Dionysus, it okay, sounds pretty crazy. Okay, but the crazy. thing is, is that cult was not the same, did not have the same definition that is used in that concept as we use it today. It okay, actually explained so it's not it like, in my research. So it's not it's like the, the Illuminati. The way that I kind of understood it is it's basically like a religion, but it doesn't have the same exact goings on of religions of today. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not crazy, like, Charles Manson type cult stuff. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no. Could you think that Charles Manson could be in the Illuminati? Why are we on the Illuminati? I don't know. You said cult, and now all I can think of is Illuminati. Leave me alone. <laughs> We've been watching too much conspiracy stuff lately. Yeah. Okay, anyway, this festival, to, be, to begin the celebration of spring, everyone was there. I And I just love that. Okay, so on the first day, which I wish I would have wrote down the names, because each name has a specific day. There's three days. There's the opening of the first wine of the year. And then the first glass or offering is given to Dionysus as a sign of respect. Right. Um, spirits would actually roam free because all other altars and deities were quieted for the festival. Literally, like, there were just straight up ghosts walking around. Like, hey dude. Hey dude. Hey dude. Dank. Hey dude. 
And, yeah, and no one could, like, pray to their gods besides Dionysus. No one could, like, make offerings or make contracts because you have to make contracts with the godly priests and stuff. Right. So, literally, just the the town stood still for three days. Huh. Yeah. Um... On the second day, there would basically be just, like, they would just drink all day, including the children. They would be given jugs in the morning, and they had to finish it by night in silence. Damn. All right. And on the third day, the wife of the Athen ruler of the time would become Ariadne and sleep with Dionysus. (sighs) What? She would, like, dress up as Ariadne, Dionysus's wife, who I'm going to talk about here in a second. And she would, like, go off and do this ritual that was, like, sleeping with Dionysus. And it could have just been a man in a mask. It could have been, like, anything. Like, someone just pretending to be Dionysus. I don't know. Like I said, these people were whack. All right. Yes. Okay. Did that settle? Is that, that settling? Yeah. Okay. So Ariadne, who I mentioned as Dionysus's wife, was the princess of Crete. And later on in the podcast, at some point, eventually, we're going to go into the story of Ariadne and how he meets her because it's a whole long myth of its own. I'm going to get that quote that you just said. At some point, <laughs> eventually... <laughs> I'm going to get that on a t-shirt. I am so tired. And I'm going to wear it all day, every day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, he could make women frenzied and he could make them murder. And that's, that's the part that reminded me of Charles Manson. Huh. Because Charles Manson would drug his followers and then he literally got them to kill for him. Yeah. Not and right. it sounds like Dionysus could do the same thing. I got it. All right. My conspiracy is done. We're good. All right. The symbols of Dionysus include a thyrsus, which I have no idea what that is. I did not look it up. So. You had one job, Cece. I know. I'm lazy. <laughs> um, grapes, grapevine, leopard skin, panther, and cheetah. He liked big cats and wine. That's literally you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like wine. My wife is Dionysus. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Um. So at one point, some historians started crediting the creation of Dionysus with Osiris. But um, due to his name, actually, they proved that to be false. Because his name originated from a language and society from very, very indigenous Greek. Like the immigrants that formed Greece. Hmm. And that's the fact that I'm choosing to end on. Oh, wait, no. I have one more fact. The earliest Dionysus worship temple is dated at 15th century BCE in Chios. Hmm. Yes. So, yeah. Dionysus, big mystery figure, just like to drink and have the sex and have a good time. And... He seems crazy, but he also seems like a guy that I would probably get along with. Yeah. He literally just sounds like a hippie dude. Seems like a pretty chill dude. Literally. Alright. Now, after my laid-back story, you're probably going to tell me something that's going to make me want to cry, aren't you? Uh, I don't know about cry. So, next up is Hera. Of course, we all know who Hera is. She is the wife of Zeus. Um, She's also the queen of the ancient Greek gods. Uh, mm-hmm. She is represented as the ideal woman and was goddess of marriage and the family. She was also most famous for her jealousy and vengeful nature. I don't know why I always picture her as like being like a Mrs. Weasley type person. Because, you know, when you actually start describing her and looking at her, she reminds me of like a really tall, like model athlete skinny, sharp features type person who's yeah. blonde. Yeah. Most of her jealousy was aimed at the lovers of her husband. Mm-hmm. 
and their illegitimate offspring. Now, you're not going to go too in-depth with this, because I feel like Zeus's children need to be included in the Zeus episode. Well, I'm not going to go, like, super in-depth, okay. no. But there's just a couple that I had found. Hera was notable as one of the very few deities that remained faithful to her partner, and she then came to symbolize monogamy and fidelity. Hera was the daughter of Cronus and Rhea, as we all know, and mother of Ares, Hebe, and Elethia, the god of war, the goddess of youth, and the goddess of childbirth, all with Zeus. Hmm. Hera also gave birth alone to Hephaestus, the god of metallurgy. In retaliation. Me- me- metallurgy? Metallurgy. M E T A L L U R G Y. Metalworking. He was the. He's I've Hephaestus. I've never heard that word used before. I'm sorry. It's. Ah! It, it, it's politically correct. In retaliation for Zeus's similarly single handed birth of Athena, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Hera threw Hephaestus from Mount Olympus because of his ugliness, and crashing to Earth, the god became lame. 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 <laughs> uh, in other accounts, Zeus was the one to throw Hephaestus from Mount Olympus precisely because of his lameness. <laughs> I can't believe they used the word lame. Babe, that's what that word it's means. It's just weird. It, it is weird. It means like... What does it mean, Cece? Legs don't work. Legs, legs, legs don't work. <laughs> he was paraplegic, so they yeeted him. That's all they need to say. Like that, but... <laughs> All I can picture is Hephaestus being, like, <laughs> an emo lonely boy. Okay. Okay. Uh, Hephaestus, All right, keep going. Hephaestus held a grudge against his mother and even imprisoned her in a special throne and was only released from the device by promising her son the hand of Aphrodite in marriage. Mm-hmm. Hera constantly battled with her husband's infidelity and often took swift revenge. Leto, one of Zeus's mistresses, was punished by Hera, promising to curse any land that gave the pregnant goddess refuge. After months of wandering, Leto found a place in Delos to give birth to her son, the god Apollo. Even then, Hera had her daughter, Elethia, prolong the labor to nine months. Could you imagine being in labor for nine months? Uh, I'm not going to mention that one because you already said it, Samil. Uh, Callisto was another of Zeus's lovers who caught the wrath of Hera as she was turned into a boar and hunted by Artemis. Hey, that's what I'm talking about next. Yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, Hera went to great lengths to revenge herself for Zeus's infidelity with Alcmene, principally focusing her wrath on their son Hercules. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip that part because Hercules is someone that I want to talk about heavily in the future. Hercules will get his own, his own section. Yes, he will completely get his own demigod portion. Um, yeah. Hera was also responsible for some of the fierce monsters Hercules had to fight. Oh, shoot. That's still on Hercules. Never mind. Uh, Hera was a major protagonist in the story of the Trojan War, as told in Homer's Iliad. The goddess supports the Achaeans, A-C-H-A-E-A-N-S, and frequently schemes with other deities to bring the downfall of Troy. Yeah, so she was the main cause for Troy going away. Uh, as she never forgave the Trojan prince Paris for choosing Aphrodite above her as the most beautiful goddess. She is one petty person. <laughs> uh, Hera was the patron of Argos, which possessed a sanctuary to the goddess from the mid-8th century BCE. She also had a temple dedicated to her at Olympia, 650-600 to 600 BCE. And Tiryns was an important cult center to the goddess in the 7th century BCE. Mm. The island of... Dionysus. Mm-hmm. I know. Eh. Mm. Uh, the island of Samos... <laughs> Or Salty Samos. Saw me, I hope you're listening. <laughs> He's not. Uh, in some accounts, the birthplace of the goddess had been a center for cult worship of the goddess as far back yep. as the Mycenaean period in the mid-2nd millennium BCE. 
and a major center was created from the 8th century BCE, which prospered right into the Roman period. Harrow was greatly esteemed at Elis, E-L-I-S, where coins depicted the goddess in the 5th and 4th century BCE. Across Greece, sporting competitions for women, the Herea, were held in Hera's honor, as well as were annual marriage festivals. There we go. Uh, Herogamy. <laughs> it's so weird. When couples reenacted the marriage of Zeus and Hera. Yeet, that sounds like a terrible marriage <laughs> to reenact. Terrible. I will explain that in a minute. Uh, as one of the most important deities, Hera was a prominent figure in ancient Greek art. However, without any specific attributes, she is often hard to distinguish between other goddesses. She is most often seated on a throne and sometimes wears a crown, holds a royal scepter, and wears a bridal veil. On occasions, she is also depicted holding a pomegranate, a traditional symbol of fertility. Other times include the peacock, which is a symbol of pride, and the cuckoo, the form Zeus took when he first courted Hera. That's sweet. That is really sweet. Uh, both of which the goddess actually kept as pets on Mount, Olymp on Mount Olympus. So she was like in love with Zeus. And she also had a lily flower. Hmm. Yeah. Now the festival. Or the crazy crap that they want to call a festival. Uh, there is a festival named Heros Gamos in ancient Greece. Which literally translated to sacred marriage. These marriage rituals were seen as a parallel to the sacred marriage of Hera and Zeus. During the transitional period of the festival Heros Gamos, a young woman carried a sacrificial basket and was followed by other maidens who sang songs honoring Hera. All of the young unmarried Argive, I think, women were included in this festival, which illustrates their roles as future brides-to-be. But there were a number of different ways of celebrating Heros Gamos, depending on where the ritual was being celebrated. These differences could be due to their geographic location, which may influence how certain activities were carried out. For example, those who did not live by the Eleutherian, oh god, Eleutherion River was, would probably not travel such a distance just to bathe. Additionally, the manipulation of mythology to reinforce a society's traditions causes the varying methods of how the Heros Gamos festival was performed because of a society's differing values and priority. So that was fast and a lot of words. Basically, rich people could do it a different way than poor people. Uh, the worship of Hera helped shape these societies immensely by making marriage and childbearing an important priority. Hera played the role of faithful wife, while Zeus played the role of a wandering womanizer. These stories may also be parallel to the exaggerations of how marriages were supposed to function in ancient Greece, especially in the roles of husband and wife. In some cases, Hera is proven to be superior to Zeus in religion. However, some of the myths contradict, contradict her superiority. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's all I had. Well, that was about three pages worth of stuff that I had. <laughs> well, what do you say we take a break? That was a lot of talking and a lot of information. That was a lot of talking. My throat is feeling coarse. I need some water. Oh, yeah. All right. So when we come back, you're going to be talking about... Athena. Not Athena. Artemis. Artemis. I was thinking about our cat. Oh, my God. I want cuddles. <laughs> and I will be talking about Poseidon. All right. All right. So, go take a pee, get a snack, drink some water, pet your dog, kiss your cat, take a nap. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to Mythology Breakdown! You may notice that I sound a lot more awake. You want to know why? Because when we took our break, I passed out, and it is now, like, ten hours later. Yeah, it's morning. Yep. Um, <laughs> I was so tired last night. It was, I, yeah, I don't think I could have done another hour of sitting here and recording last night. I was tired. 
And now we're on a time crunch because I have to work soon. <laughs> so let's get right back into things, shall we? Yes. All right. I am going to talk about Artemis, who is such a fantastic goddess. I wish that there was more on her. I think that her story was so fascinating and just her as a goddess in general was so interesting. Um, and honestly, I attribute that a lot of my love for her to Rick Riordan, um, which unfortunately he took the liberties of storytelling and added in some key details that, you know, aren't technically true, such as the Hunters of Artemis, which did exist, but not exactly in the way that they were portrayed in the story. Did right. you get that far in the books with no. the Hunters of Artemis? Okay. I'm Tony's never read them. In page 40, 50, maybe 60 of book two. <laughs> So, yeah, but she's such a fascinating character, and so I decided that for this part of the glossary, whatever we're doing, describing all of the gods. Um, breaking down all of the gods. There you go. This is mythology breakdown, not <laughs> mythology glossary. Oh, shush. Anyway, so Artemis was the Greek goddess of the hunt, forest, hills, the moon, and archery. Her, just like Dionysus... Her name is pre-Greek, so we're not exactly sure where she originated. If I ever find that out, I'll definitely say something, but um, we're not quite sure, but her name is pre-Greek. Hmm. All yeah. right. Not exactly sure where it comes from, um, especially since she wasn't a popular goddess until way later in history. Right. Anyway, so she is the child of Zeus and Leto, which I think we talked about yesterday. Kind of. When we were talking about Leto and Hera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she has a twin brother, Apollo, and she is actually older than Apollo by one day, according to my research. I know that you found slightly differing things, but it's mythology. Yeah, different iterations of yeah. different stories. So, and it's said that because she is one day older than Apollo, that's where she gets her motherly nurturing fertility side of her. Because she was birthed and then she immediately cared for her mom while she was giving birth to Apollo. Which, what the heck, dude? Your daughter's one day old. You're going to make her help you deliver her brother? Right. <laughs> She's also the goddess of wild animals, wilderness, childbirth, and virginity. She protected young women and could bring and relieve disease in women. So she was she was very powerful over women. She couldn't do much to the men from what I was reading. But, yeah. She did not like men. Um, she is always depicted with a bow and arrow. Um, until you get... There's parts of her story that we'll go into another day that um, would show her softer side, her fertility side. In fact... One of her temples, one of her biggest temples, that was actually a wonder of the ancient world, you know, seven wonders and yeah. all that. Um, it was specifically a fertility type temple. Hmm. This community focused more on that side of her than on the hunting side. So there she was depicted as more soft. But in general, she was always depicted with a bow and arrow, you know, very much so a master of archery. Dang. All right. Um, she was a virgin. She remained a virgin. In fact, she petitioned the gods... I think it was Zeus. I did not write this down. Why do I not write these things down, Tony? I don't know. Um, I write down everything. She petitioned the god to make her an eternal virgin. Like, I don't know how that would work, but basically she is a virgin. Weird. Yes. <laughs> um... One of her big things is that if anyone would try and dishonor her or take her virginity or, you know, do anything to make her not a virgin or, you know, ruin her whole thing, she would kill them. She was kind of fierce. In fact, the story that I'm going to tell later is one of those stories. But, um, do you know Adonis? The story of Adonis? I do not. So Adonis was very much so... Hang on, I have it written down. That's not the right page. He's the god of beauty and desire. He was, like, obsessed with himself. Mm. He, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he fell for Artemis and decided to try to sleep with her. Or no, 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 no. He bragged about being a better archer than Artemis. That was the other thing that got her riled up. Yeah, she's Because that's how the gods are, is if you're like, I'm better than you at <clears throat> what you do, they'll be like, mm not and then they would kill them or curse them or you know do whatever 
So once Adonis was bragging about being a better archer than her, she turned him into a wild boar and shot him. Hmm. I love her. Nice. <laughs> um, I've, I've read conflicting reports. Some say that our sacred animals were bears and others say it was deer. I tend to lean more towards deer, but I mean, it could very much so be that it's both. Right. Um, both Orion and Acteon tried to dishonor or rape her, but were met with violent ends. We actually were talking about Orion today, um, because Orion was the guy that had her heart. Like, if Artemis was going to be with anyone, it would have been Orion, but he screwed up, as we are going to read later. (laughs) Um, she would kill women for breaking their virgin vows. Dang. Yeah, um... So, like I said earlier, the Hunters of Artemis, they weren't technically a real thing, but she did have a group of women that would travel with her. And a lot of this a lot of this group was consisted of nymphs, and one of her nymphs um, fell in love and had sex, and Artemis killed her. Oh, jeez. So, she took him seriously. Um, she was a secondary deity, so she was not one of the... I mean, she was known, but she wasn't as known as, like, Zeus and all that stuff. She was very much so not... I mean, she wasn't even widely worshipped until 4th century BCE. Right. Which that, I mean, it seems like a long time ago, and it is a long time ago, but if you look at the realm of mythology, especially Greek mythology, that is not very long at all. Especially considered that we talked about Dionysus, who's been around since 11,000 BC. So, or BCE. I don't know. I think it's, I think it used to be BC before Christ, but now it's BCE before the current era. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking so, too. I just grew up saying BC, so... Yeah. Um, so, like I said earlier, one of her temples was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Um, it was... I didn't write it down. Oh! Ephesus. In Ephesus. And where she is portrayed for her fertility. Per- people would come and pray and ask her to guide them through childbirth. And, yeah, that's why Artemis had her hunters or her followers. Because her followers would take care of the hunt. While she was helping guide in right. births and stuff. She actually assisted in the birth of Alexander the Great. Nice. Yeah, according to legend, which I'm very interested. I'm going to do some more research on that later. Um, she had two festivals, or two main festivals that were attributed to her. The Broronia and the Artemis Orthia. Apparently I didn't write down what those were. Probably because I didn't explain it. Probably because I don't have enough information on it. Um, her symbols include bows, arrows, stags, hunting, dog, and moon. She is almost always portrayed ha- as having either a dog or a deer with her, which is why I lean more towards having the deer be her sacred animal over bear. What you doing? Are you reading your own story instead you, of listening to mine? I'm listening to yours. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. <laughs> um, she was most prominent in a little, like I said, a thesis, which was a prominent little town in... Asia Minor, which is now called Turkey. Hmm. So that's kind of where her center of worship kind of was. Um, I feel like we need to make a map at some point. We ought to make a blog or something or a website. Does anyone know how to make a website and want to show me for, like, not super expensive? Because I have all these things that I'm planning on doing, making a timeline of events, you know, making a map of where they were worshipped most. And it's really hard to show these people these things. On a podcast, because you can't see me. Right. So I think if we make a website, it'll make things easier. Maybe. So if anyone wants to do that, please email us at mythologybreakdownpodcast at gmail.com. It's pod. Pod. Mythologybreakdownpod at gmail.com. Please, please, please. Anyway, to round things out for the day, I'm going to read the story of Artemis and Orion. Oh, I'm messing with the mic. Um, I found this story on people.ecs c.edu um which means that it is just an iteration of the tale so i mean if you know something different or read something different please inform us but this is just the story that i'm choosing to share today okay orion was the handsomest man in the world a mighty hunter an untiring dancer a hearty eater that was a lot to unpack just in one sentence anyway many women loved him and so did the men because of his generous nature and caring heart Orion loved the women as if he were their brother, and with the men, he formed his most intimate and physically satisfying attachments. Even the gods and goddesses took notice of him and enjoyed his company. 
but his favored fortune led to his early death and legendary destiny, such is the fate of heroes. Any comments? Nope. One day while he was hunting in the forest, he came upon a beautiful young woman who was also hunting with a pack of the finest hounds he had ever seen. Dogs. Yes, hounds. Both packs picked up the scent and they hunted together. When the deer was caught and killed, Orion saw that its companions were no mere girl, but the virgin goddess Artemis herself. He averted his eyes from her in respect. I thank thee for thy reverence, Orion, she said. But come, let us be companions of the hunt together, thou and I. Orion looked up at her and foresaw many days of sport and fun together, and laughed with the pleasure of the thought. Yes, my lady, he said. I would be thy companion of the hunt. I love thy laugh, the goddess said. And they together dressed the animal and took it back to the city for distribution to the people. Artemis and Orion passed the summer together. By day they loved hunt. Whoa! By day they hunted and sported, challenging each other to foot races, archery, and storytelling. In the evenings or on the fire, they bared their souls and told each other about their lives, their lost loves, their secrets. Orion spoke of the men he had loved and hoped to love again. Artemis spoke of the nymphs who attended her their love affairs, and her romantic attachments to the goddess and women of her cities. They became, in short, fast friends. One night, when Artemis and Orion sat in their fire telling stories, Orion turned to her and said, Artemis, my friend, my most beautiful crescent moon, I give thanks to the fate that we are so well met. The love we share is as valuable as my life, and I am a better man for knowing you. I treasure our friendship also, Orion. Thou art a fine man, and I bless our time together. They shared an embrace, then Orion jumped up and danced in celebration around the fire. Artemis followed him, and their shouts and laughter rang through the forest. So it all sounds like it's going good so far. Right. I mean, these these two <laughs> sound like they would be the weirdest friends. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Like, I'm picturing wild forest creatures just... Just running around, shooting things. All right, Zoidberg. <laughs> But yeah, they sound fun. Um, Alright, back to the story. Yes. The next day, Apollo, the brother of Artemis, was walking through the forest. He smelled a low-burning campfire and found the glade where Orin and Artemis lay asleep. Whoa! Orion. Orion and Artemis. This is why I don't write out my stories, because I can't freaking read. Oh my goodness. Um, Where Orion and Artemis lay still asleep. He saw and appreciated the beautiful Orion, but grew angry when he saw that Artemis lay with him. He assumed that Artemis also appreciated Orion in the masculine manner he himself did and had her compromise her virginity, her separateness from the sexuality of, sexuality of men. But he concealed his anger, put on a mask of friendliness, and whistled a bright tune until the two friends awoke. Seeing who was making noise, they, inviting, they invited him to breakfast. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on here, but Apollo was a raging bisexual. I didn't know that. Yep, he is a raging bisexual. His two great loves, one was a man and one was a woman. Hmm. We'll talk about that when we talk about Apollo. Yes. But, yeah. Okay, later in the morning, Artemis attended to her priestesses, priest, priestesses elsewhere and left her brother and friends to amuse themselves together. Now, Apollo is very beautiful. He is the son he is a god selected to sit among the twelve Olympians. He is vain yet wise, yet full of fun. Orion was immediately captivated by him, and naturally so. Apollo's heart was caught by Orion's friendly company and gentle yet thoroughly masculine manner. Apollo took as his lovers many women and goddesses, and also men and gods. Unlike Orion, he was secretive about those male assignations? Assinations. I don't know. Um, unlike Orion, he was secretive about those male assignations, and he would deny them if questions about their exact nature. But the attraction between Apollo and Orion took its natural course, and before the end of the afternoon, the man and God had enjoyed together all the pleasures of manhood to their mutual satisfaction. As the sun set, they lay together in tender friendship, murmuring in quiet conversation. Orion mentioned his happy anticipation of the return of Artemis and how the three of them might now be friends. Apollo stiffened in anger at the mention of his sister's name, for he had forgotten his misinformed but potent jealousy. Jealousy. What incurs thine anger, my lord? asked Orion. I'm surprised you would question my apprehension at the arrival of another who enjoys your favors. 
Orion laughed before he could think not to. My favors, he exclaimed. But Artemis is a chaste goddess. She has not known me nor any man. We are companions, but of the hunt in the forest, not any bad or bed or bower. Besides, I am a lover of men as thou art. Apollo saw the truth in what Orion said. He did not realize realizing his mistake, and he laughed out at Orion. You insult me, mortal, Apollo said, standing up, his face a blaze of wrath. Orion cowered at his feet, an unlikely posture for such a noble man. But he thought it prudent in the face of this capricious god. Apollo picked up Orion's head by his hair and bellowed into his face. I am not a lover of men like you. He spat out the last phrase in disgust. I take women as my lovers, as nature intended. You are nothing but a boy to sport with. Whoa! My lord, I did not intend any insult. How could I after the joy we have known this same day? But Apollo did not answer, turned, and strode away without a backward glance. Hours after Apollo left him, Orion was found by Artemis in the dark, weeping quietly. She comforted him, and hearing his story, took him to his house and left him alone, as was his wish. She returned to her house in the forest. During the night, a terrible dream possessed Orion. He dreamed that a scorpion rose up from the forest floor and nearly killed him before he could defend himself. He did not know what it was, but it was Apollo who sent the scorpion. He dreamed that he could not strike through the scorpion's armor, no matter how powerful or direct his thrust. He fought the scorpion in his dream the night, though, and just before he awoke, the scorpion had almost stung him directly in the heart. He awoke at dawn, drenched with sweat, and relieved that the scorpion was only a dream, for he had never met a beast he could not kill. He went out, hoping to meet Artemis and tell her of his dream, but outside his door waited the giant scorpion from the dream, more terrible in reality than even in his mind. He fought it valiantly with arrows and his sword, but as in his dream, he could not pierce its armor. The scorpion packed back, but, whoa, backed him to the sea, and Orion plunged in, hoping he gets him away from it. Meanwhile, Apollo visited his sister. She angrily told him she disapproved of his treatment of her friend. He mildly begged her to hold his tongue, for something far worse was in need of her vengeance and loyalty. He said an evil man, Candale, had the night previous attacked and raped Opos, one of her Hyperborean priestesses, and was right now swimming to a distant island, hoping to escape the wrath of Artemis. No one escapes the vengeance of Artemis when one of her own has been ravaged. Without even pausing to first comfort Opos, she grabbed her quiver and sped down to the sea. Apollo followed her, pointed out the speck in the distance that was Orion's head, still putting distance between her and the, himself and the scorpion. Wow. cannot read. There he is, Apollo said. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? I'm listening. There he is, Apollo said, standing behind her so his face could not betray his treachery. Artemis loosed her arrow with unerring aim and slew her friend. When she, when he saw his plan had succeeded, Apollo ran away. <laughs> Little bitch. <laughs> um, Artemis went back to the forest and found Opos, who had supposedly been raped. Opos was unharmed and knew nothing of the attack. When Apo when uh, Artemis saw the girl was where, oh my gosh. Keep going. When Artemis saw the girl was well, she soon deduced the truth. She retrieved Orion's body, but even Asclepius could not revive him, though he applied drops of the Gorgon's blood to the lifeless lips of Artemis's true friend. Orion's spirit had already descended to the Estoffel fields, or Asphodel fields. Artemis placed Orion's body among the stars, a tribute to the friendship they once shared, a reminder to all mortals that men and women who enjoyed friendships of every variety and degree. The scorpions she killed, she also said it in the sky, behind Orion, as a warning to everyone under heaven of the treachery of those who are false to their lovers and false to themselves. Okay, so Orion, you said in your I, explanation... My notes said that Orion was not a good guy, but that story did not prove that. This is why you need to check everything. I did check everything! <laughs> I skimmed the story, and it was like, oh yeah, Orion dies. And I was like, perfect! Okay, but... but that is the story of how Orion, I mean, became... Because you know Orion's belt, right? The stars? Yeah. The hunter? Yes. And then Scorpio? Uh, yes. I mean, that's the story of Orion and Scorpio. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Artemis! Artemis. 
I did say at one point that Artemis and Orion, if she was going to fall in love with anyone, it would have been Orion, so. Well, yeah. Maybe there's more stories out there. I'm sure there are. Oh, probably. I'm sure there are. Okay. So now Poseidon, the oh, last person no. we're going to be talking about today. I'm so nervous for this. Just chillax. It's fine. Uh, Poseidon is the god of the sea and the rivers, creator of storms and floods, and the bringer of earthquakes and destruction. Poseidon was perhaps the most disruptive of all the ancient Greek gods, not only for mortals, but also to Zeus's peaceful reign on Mount Olympus. Despite the above, the trident-bearing god was not always a negative force, and he did have a role as a protector, particularly to mariners, and as the patron of horses and horse breeding. <coughs> I love how it's all like, water, 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 horse. Mm -hmm. It's uh, my favorite thing about Poseidon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, cults to Poseidon date as far back as the late Bronze Age and the Mycenaean civilization. Okay. So, so a long time ago. The god seems to have been one of the most important Mycenaean deities. Perhaps no surprise given the culture's obvious seafaring skills. Mm-hmm. Poseidon was a key figure in the battles for control of the universe between the Titans, the Giants, and the Olympians. On their victory, the three brothers drew lots to decide which domain they would reign over, and Poseidon gained the seas. The god dwelled in magnificent golden mansions beneath the sea, beautifully adorned with coral and sea flowers. Seemingly not content with the seas alone, Poseidon often interfered in the plans of Zeus, and once even attempted to overthrow his brother with the aid of Hera and Athena. Well! Yeah. It was his punishment for this treachery that Poseidon was made to build the magnificent walls of Troy. Why does everything always come back to Troy? I don't know. But remember, Zeus basically had Troy destroyed. It is hailing outside. It is hailing outside. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys can hear that. It is 2 p.m. and it's freaking hailing. Uh, Poseidon's wife was the Nereid Amphitrite, although she had proved a little difficult during the courting process and once fled to the Atlas Mountains. Fortunately, the sea god was helped by the dolphin Delphinus, who persuaded Amphitrite to return and marry Poseidon. In gratitude, Poseidon ensured the Delphinus was remember remembered for all time by making a constellation in her likeness, which still carries her name. Hmm. The god's most famous son, with Amphitrite, was Triton, who was half man, half fish. Two other children were Rode and, this is a weird name, Benthesisimi. <laughs> I love Greek names. There was Triton, Rode, and Benthesisimi. Normal, normal, and freaking weird. However... Poseidon fathered many other offspring with various partners. Most notable are Theseus with Ithria. I don't know. A-I-T-H-R-A. Uh, Polyphemus the Cyclops. Orion the Hunter with the daughter of Minos. The flying horse Pegasus after the rape of Medusa. The wild horse Arion. And Charybdis with Gaia. Did you know that Gaia and, Z and Poseidon Dude, did Zeus the nasty? Dude, sex with his grandma. Poseidon. Poseidon. Poseidon had <laughs> sex with his grandmother <laughs> and created the nasty sea monster, Charybdis. Uh, the ship eating... Yeah, yeah, we already talked about this. Perhaps justifiably jealous of all these affairs, Poseidon's infatuation with Scylla, the daughter of the sea god Forces, led Amphitrite to cast magic herbs in the girl's bath, which turned her into a raging monster with 12 feet and 6 heads. Well, I talked about that in the Cursed Greek Mythology. Yes, you did. Yes, yes, I did. That So, literally, so I know I'm going to interrupt really quick if that's okay. That's fine. So we were talking about <coughs> how the episode was originally going to be Cursed Origins. Mm -hmm. There's Scylla's Cursed Origin. Yep. We that's just we could now who's not doing enough research. Whatever. Uh, Poseidon was said to hold the isthmus of Cor Corinth in special regard, probably as it was an important sea route. Ah! The god was particularly revered here and was the focus of the Panhellenic Isthmian Games, which were held in his honor near Corinth. The games were held every two years in the spring, and like the Olympic Games, athletes Chari charioteers and horse racers 
competed for prizes, in this case, a prestigious crown of first pine, and then, in the classical period, of dry celery. <laughs> Can you imagine if at the, Olympics, at the Olympics they just gave him a crown of celery? Yeah, instead of a gold medal. Uh, <laughs> Corinth was also one of the earliest cities to connect Poseidon to maritime trade and navigation, as indicated by votive clay plaques. Plaques. Not plaques, plaques. Dating to the Archaic period. Sunion was another strategy, strategic site, wow, I can't speak today, close to the god, and his 5th century BCE temple still stands on the prom, promontory which overlooks ships entering the Saronic Gulf. The god was honored by boat races held at the Cape once every four years. Was that a tick? Mm-hmm. Oh my friggin' god. <laughs> she just put a hairband around the microphone. I did, and um, I don't know if you noticed a weird... Thing. Probably not because Tony's really good at editing. Uh, Tony just cut it out. She kicked my laptop <laughs> I kicked closed. laptop closed. And it stopped recording, but then I opened up my screen and then it started recording again. So yay. Uh, <laughs> I wish you would have kept that and put I, that in the bloopers. No. Uh, in the legendary competition with Athena to win the patronage of Athens, Poseidon offered to, offered to the city the gifts of a saltwater spring and a horse. However, Athena's gift of an olive tree gained greater favor, and it was she who would become the patron of the great city. Did you write down what it was supposed to be if Poseidon was... I did not, oh. uh, but I, I know what the name of it is, and I, I, I think it's idiotic. It is hiccuped. Uh, still, the god was honored by the annual Posidie Festival, which perhaps had more to do with agriculture than the sea, and the midwinter month of Poseidon carried his name. Athens would have been Poseidonia. Oh my god. Poseidonia. Poseidonia. Sounds like the fake name that Bender made in the bending competition. Poseidon is most commonly depicted in ancient Greek art as mature and bearded. He often brandishes his trident, fashioned by the Cyclops, with which he would create earthquakes by striking it to the ground. He is also frequently portrayed riding his golden chariot pulled by hippocamps, half-horse and half-serpent serpent creatures with fishtails, or gold-shoed horses, <clears throat> of which he was patron. Dolphins, Whoa! seahorses, and tuna fish are additional marine animals frequently seen in the god's company in art. Yum, that sounds good right Tuna fish? Mm-hmm. We have tuna fish. No, I need to get to work after this. <laughs> okay, so that's all I had about Poseidon. Uh, there was a lot more that I could have written down, but we're now at an hour and three minutes before editing, so... <laughs> I know, there's so much. I mean, we're definitely going to come back and revisit these gods. Oh, because yeah, Because there course. are so many. We just... I think what it, we're essentially trying to do is, like we did last week with the Norse, is kind of give you a base knowledge to kind of be able to come back to and, you know, like a glossary of sorts. Yeah. But Tony wants to call it a breakdown. So. It's a breakdown. It's a breakdown of the gods. So when we start telling Bam! stories... Nice. So when we start telling stories, we don't have to continue to reiterate on those stories. Mm-hmm. People can just come back to this episode, listen through, and then boom, you know the story. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So that is the end of this episode. I don't think we're going to do all the Greeks in order. I think we're going to hop around. Well, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what we're going to be talking about next week, but we did start a list of potential topics. So if you email us with a topic that you want to hear, we will shout out whatever social media that you want. Literally. talk about it. Literally any social media. Literally any social media. If you want us to shout out your TikTok... Heck yeah. Like, we'll do that. Just, um, yeah. Send us some emails. We haven't gotten any yet. We're really looking forward to the interaction. Once again, it's Mythology Breakdown, spelled the same way as the podcast name. Mythology Breakdown Pod at gmail.com. Yes. You can also find us on TikTok at mythology underscore breakdown underscore pod. And we also have a Facebook group called Mythology Breakdown, the podcast. Yep, on Facebook. And, yeah, we... I know we say this every week, but we're just having so much fun with this. Mm-hmm. 
And this episode was weird as heck because we've never filmed an episode in two separate times before. I was just so tired. I'm sure you can tell. I'm sure that there's going to be, when we take when we take our break, it's going to be like, break, and then, wah! Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly how it was. All right. Well, it's been fun. Until next week. Yes, I've been Tony. And I've been Cece. Have a good night.